0: Hey, good morning Wellspring Church. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning, wherever you're at, whether you're at home or maybe watching this later or listening to this on a podcast, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we're so glad that you've taken the time to to be with us, although we're not in person virtually here online this morning. Wanted to just quickly let you know about two other ways we can connect during this season, the first being Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, we're going to be gathering via Zoom. There's information on our website and even down below about how to do that. But we're going to be talking about what does it look like to trust Jesus in the midst of all this sort of chaos that we're in. So we'd love to see you there. Sign up. Let us know if you can make it for that. And also Thursdays at noon each week, we're going to be again gathering virtually via Zoom, having a space to both connect and pray together, but also taking the time to learn from others in our church body about different ways we can kind of go through this season together whether it be what are some ways we can parent well do school well with our kids at home ways we can handle maybe anxiety or stress different things like that again we'd love to see you there thursdays at noon with that and i know in this season there is a lot of difficulty going on there's a lot of hardship so if you would like prayer for anything please let us know you can email us my email is aaron at wellspringchurch we can gather those prayer requests and send them to our prayer team so that we can be praying in this season for you and with you whatever you might be going with and also too if you are in a position where you're financially in need we want to be a church that helps and reaches out uh, in those moments so again please let us know how we can be a help during this season with that. If you need help with groceries or going on a trip to the store, we want to be available to serve and to help you in this season. So with that said, I hope you uh, are enjoying your, your morning or wherever you're at today and that you enjoy this time as we worship Jesus together.
1: out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy for all God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes I will lift you up joy when my heart is heavy for all my days. Oh yes, I will for all my days. Oh yes, I will and I choose to ¡Adiós! so kind to me oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still Self away, oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. So kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Will you give yourself away? Down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow. coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me What they think you're like But I've heard the tender whisper of love In the dead of night You tell me that you're pleased And that I'm never alone E you call To I am who I am
2: God in this place God in this season as we I was just aware God of how much how much is going on in our world, we just say, you are good. God, when all this unpredictability assails us from every side, God, we say, you are good. You are a good father. That is who you are. You are the God of reckless love who chases after us even when things are hard and things are tough. And as a body, Jesus, we pray the words that you taught us. And I invite you, church, say these words with me. They're from Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from every evil. For yours, God, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Want to welcome you guys this morning to Wellspring from your homes. Good to have you here. My name is Tony, and I have the privilege of serving on staff here at Wellspring. Now, I was hoping I'm a little jealous because you guys get to be in your pajamas uh, and I have to dress up. uh, But aside from that, I am glad to be here this morning. But a lot's been shifting in the last few days, right? Like last week. Uh, I, my kids were in public school. This week, my family is homeschooling. Uh, last week, uh, I worked in an office. I worked in a building. This week, I'm working at home at the very same place that my kids go to school. Maybe you relate. I, I happen to be a full-time pastor last week. This week, I am part pastor and part PE teacher. Anyone else take up a new occupation this week that they didn't have the previous one? Last week, we were trying to figure out how to, as embodied creatures, connect emotionally and relationally and distance ourselves a little bit from technology, right? This week, we're trying to use technology to draw closer to each other because we need to be six feet apart growing up, six feet was always the measurement of how tall I was, right? Always, that's what I thought. Six feet, that's how tall I am. Now, for the rest of my life, six feet is going to be both how tall I am and how far I need to distance myself from another person during a pandemic. Last week, before we did service, right, the threshold was 250 people could gather together, By last Sunday afternoon, the CDC said, all right, 50 people can gather together. On Monday, President Trump says 10 people. And then on Tuesday, all of us are invited to shelter in place. All of these changes so quickly created me a little bit of anxiety. And I don't think I'm alone. Right? You go to grocery stores and the shelves are empty. You feel yourself in this sort of crazy treadmill of acquisition of information, reading the news, trying to figure out if you can just get more and more information. I read an article in a newspaper that Seattle's uh, alcohol sales have gone up 300, between 300 and 500 percent since January. We're finding ways to cope with our anxiety. And quite honestly, this shouldn't surprise us. Anxiety is our body's natural response to danger. Although there's a lot of brain circuits involved, uh, the amygdala initiates this response. And it's a fast response to danger that prompts these release of hormones that raise our heart rate, our blood pressure, tense our muscles, and just get us ready to fight or flight. The thing is, it bypasses our cerebral cortex. This has survival value. So if you're walking down the street and you're about to get hit by a bus, you lunge out of the way before you even consciously are aware there's a bus there. But in the long run, living in an ongoing state of anxiety can be harmful, not only physically and emotionally, which all kinds of studies show, but also spiritually. Jesus actually speaks to this. He tells a parable about the kingdom, and he says the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes and sows seed. And he's casting the seed all over the place. In verse 7, he says this, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Right? So the, the farmer is out there sowing, and he throws some of the seed into this thorny, weedy spot, and it chokes the seed. Now, at this point, the parable is a little vague, like, Jesus, what are you getting at? But in verse 19, he explains the parable. He says this, specifically about that line. The cares of the world enter in and choke the word and prove it unfruitful. And it proves unfruitful. Now, it's important here to say the word cares is actually the Greek word for anxiety. Translated in this text, Jesus is saying the anxieties of life choke out the word of God to us. God communicates to us. He invites us to do things. He invites us into His presence. And what happens? The anxiety of our life chokes it out. I think a lot of us know this from experience. I know this last week for me, all these balls in the air, all these changes, and I start to get kind of ramped up a little bit. Tell me if you relate to this. I hop from one unsatisfying activity to the next, I watch my news feed, then I go to my phone, then I go to my email, then I go to the fridge and I eat something, then I talk to a kid, you know, do PE, and then I'm back to checking my email again, I'm checking the phone, now I'm juggling another task or thing, and I'm on this treadmill of activity, anxiously dancing from one thing to the next. And then I get mad at my kids, right, when they interrupt me in my anxious treadmill process. Am I the only one who does this? when this is happening, I know what I need to do. I need to like get off the treadmill. I need to stop. I need to slow down. And this, this last week, I, after a long day, I, I was able to do this. I made a good choice and I just set a timer. I went down into this little uh, basement, which is now my uh, PE uh, athletic director office for our homeschool uh, and my church office and my prayer room. And I just set a clock for 10 minutes. And I just enjoyed doing nothing with God. What was amazing, though, is how different I felt at the end. When I started, my body was all ramped. I didn't even know how to stop. And by the end, I had kind of taken anxiety off of the throne of my life. And I had let go. And I was able to submit again to Jesus as my Lord and enjoy His peace and His presence. Paul tells the Colossians in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, the Greek word for rule is actually the word or the verb to control. So Paul is creating this connection between experiencing peace and control. That when we let go and let God rule, we give him control, we can actually enjoy God's peace. And we don't, when we grab control and will not let go, the peace of God can feel really far, far away. See, Paul knew there would be seasons when our life would be undermined by anxiety. And so Paul counsels the Colossians to let go and enjoy God's peace. But this is important, right? Because Paul, like Jesus, knows that anxiety isn't neutral, like a seed choked by thorny weeds, our anxiety can choke us spiritually. So, Paul actually says, <clears throat> he invites the Colossians, but he uses this particular tense in Greek. He uses the imperative, which is sort of like the command form. So, he's saying, Hey, guys, he's not saying, Hey, do whatever you want. This is advice. He's saying, Guys, take this seriously. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it matters. Now I'm not sure exactly how you participated last Sunday, but I was here, and there was a small group of us. And when I when people were coming in, I had this sense there was this heaviness in the room. There was this anxiety. There was a little bit of stress and tension. Right? There's so many unknowns, and we have so many so little control. And yet I watched as this body turned towards Jesus in worship. Something really profound happened. That choking anxiety, it left. It dissipated, kind of like a a fog melting under the noonday sun. And the peace of Jesus settled in our midst in this beautiful and powerful way, right? Because God cares about us. So, we're invited, right, to cast our anxieties onto Him, Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7 writes something almost exactly like this. He says, humble yourselves by casting your anxieties on Him, on God, because He cares for you. In Greek, the translation is sort of like an expression like, throw your anxiety on Him. Just toss it on. Toss it on. It's like an idiom. But literally, it means this, to put responsibility on, to make someone responsible for So Peter's saying, throw your anxieties on Jesus, but don't just throw them there and then hold on to responsibility. Actually, give Jesus responsibility. Give him responsibility for the things that you are worrying about, right? Because it's one thing to say, all right, God, I'm stressed about this. It's a totally other thing to say, all right, God, take this. I give it to you. I give you responsibility. I give you control that I might experience your peace and your freedom. Interestingly, the word that Peter uses for anxiety here is the exact same word that Jesus uses in Mark 4, that choking anxiety. Peter's like, throw it on Jesus, pile it on Him. And he says this, cast all of your anxieties on Him. You don't need to pick and choose. You don't need to pick your top 10. Big ones or small ones, whatever causes you anxiety, give it To Jesus, whatever stresses you out, whatever keeps you up at night, give it to God so that we can enjoy His peace. If I'm honest, though, one of the reasons that I don't do this, one of the reasons that I experience anxiety and I stay on that treadmill versus getting off is I'm worried that God won't take responsibility for those things, that He won't be there when I'm like, hey, I need to throw this on you. And I think that's why Peter, in this context, says, hey, God cares for you. That's why you can throw it on Him. In Greek, the word is, God has us on His mind. He hasn't forgotten about us. As you're trapped in your home, God has not forgotten about you. You are on His mind. He cares for you. But as we look into the New Testament perspective on this, it actually gets even cooler See, when we cast our anxieties on Jesus and we let the peace of Jesus rule in our hearts, we find that peace, which is good in itself, simultaneously guards our hearts. Paul, writing to the Philippians, says this. This is chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul starts with, hey, don't be anxious. Yeah, we know there's tons of unknowns in the season of life we're in with COVID-19. And often we can feel paralyzed or we just feel like we can never get off the treadmill of anxiety. And Paul says, no, 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 don't do that. Instead, turn to Jesus. He says, pray. Tim Keller defines prayer this way. Prayer is seeking to respond and connect to God. And when we do this, Paul says that we experience God's peace. And he says this peace is actually better than understanding. And I think this is part of the riddle of, under, or of anxiety in these days. You know, we want to know, like, How long are we going to have to shelter in place? How long are we going to have to adjust our life so much? How long are we going to have to homeschool our kids? How long are we going to have to work at home? We're wondering, am I going to get sick? Are my stocks going to recover? And we search all these different piles of information to try and find solace and try and find peace, but all we find is more anxiety because none of those answers are going to be answered right now. Paul says, better yet, why don't you just pray. This verb surpasses is a, a verb that measures value, and what he's saying is, hey guys, when you pray and experience God' peace, that is more valuable than any understanding you will get, sort of trolling all the news sources. Second, Paul says this, that that peace, which is awesome in itself, it guards our minds and our hearts. Now, the heart is rarely, if ever, referred to as like the actual physical organ in the New Testament, right? It's that inner part of us. It's the volition, the mind, the desires, and the mind is our reasoning and our thoughtfulness. So Jesus is saying, man, let Jesus rule in your hearts and you'll experience peace, which is better than understanding. And guess what? That very peace that you experience will actually guard your heart and your mind. It will guard what is going on. inside of us. A friend of mine, a friend of mine recently had to care for an older family member. And it was this pretty intense situation. Had to be in the hospital wondering if it was an end of life issue. And when he went and came back, he described the experience to me. He said that when he was there, he felt like the peace of Jesus was with him the whole time. In this incredibly difficult situation, he had this experience of God's peace like a bubble protecting him. And we need that, right? Because in this season, our hearts are vulnerable. We're worried and afraid, and it's actually in these very seasons where our anxiety is most likely to mount that we most need God to protect and guard us. Right? And this isn't just in the New Testament. This isn't just Paul and Peter. Consider the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. You keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. It's Isaiah 26.3. You keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Again, similar themes. This word, to keep, is to watch or to guard. Right? And he keeps us in perfect peace. And if you read Hebrew, it's pretty fun. There's no word perfect in that sentence. What Isaiah says is he keeps you in shalom, shalom. It's like we're going to double it up. They just repeat the word twice in order to add emphasis. So guess what? You are kept in God. Shalom, shalom. I want to highlight something else here too, because sometimes when I read this word stayed, I don't really use the word stayed very often. But immediately when I read it, I thought it means like really focused. You know, like in our family, we'd sometimes do staring contests. And it's like, you just can't blink. It's like, stayed is like the person who can rock a staring contest. The thing is, I always lose staring contests. I don't know why, but literally like my eyes blink just rapidly, I guess. I always lose. But the thing is, this is not what Isaiah is talking about this verb actually means to lean or to lay or to rest or to support. It's a passive verb. So it means that we are the one receiving the action. So it's like, oh, just lean into God. Lean into His presence. Let go, right? And when we do that, the shalom, the shalom, the perfect peace of God will be with us. And the thing is, right, Isaiah, writing in the 8th century, he's not writing to a bunch of guys in Galilee, chilling at their vineyard, eating grapes and delicious red wine from their Galilean vineyard. Instead, right, the northern kingdom of Israel has just been conquered by the Assyrians. This same army is now approaching Judah, where Isaiah lives and the people to whom he's writing the Assyrians are on their doorstep, the Babylonians are right there. They are in real trouble, literal annihilation and destruction of their nation, which I think, if we're honest, actually makes our context feel pretty tame. And Isaiah says to this people, perfect peace is theirs if they just lean back and let go into God. And that same promise is available for us today. So what does this look like? How do we actually apply this today? Right, how do we, in a world where we shelter in place in the shadow of COVID-19, what are we supposed to do? Three things I want to suggest. Three practices. The first is this. Do nothing with God. Take a little time each day to just do nothing with Him. we talk about Abel all the time, attend to him, be present to him. Sometimes we just need to do this to address our anxiety. We need to actually just slow down, get off the treadmill, and just enjoy the presence and the peace of God. And sometimes when we do that, we actually realize all the stuff we're feeling inside of us. We can feel the anxiety, we can feel the fear, and then we're actually capable of casting it on to Jesus. One of the things I do is I just take literally in the morning, in the evening, I might just set a timer for 10 minutes just to force myself to sit there. And I'll just say, Jesus, come be with me. And I will just sit in quiet. And if my mind is like racing to a thousand things, I'll just be like, Jesus, help me center into you. Now, some of you might find this practice actually incredibly hard because we are trained in a culture to keep moving and keep driving and use that anxiety as fuel for productivity. I actually think this is a season maybe where we can relearn how to slow down and do nothing with God. Second, I think that we also need to figure out ways to carve out some daily routines. All kinds of studies show that there is actually a massive correlation between routines and decreasing anxiety and stress. This can be exercise, eating, it uh, can be sleeping rhythms, but I think spiritual ones are necessary too. They provide an anchor moment in the unpredictability as everything is shifting around us, an anchor moment with God. And we need routines now more than ever. For me, one of the things I do is every morning and every evening, before my kids get up, I go down to this little prayer space, which is my athletic director's office and my workspace. I go down in there, and it's also my prayer space. Before my kids get up, and I don't set a time limit. I just go there before my kids get up. You know, they're like caged lions, ready to get out of their room. I go down there, and I have a little piece. And then after dinner, right after my kids go to bed, I go down there again. And I don't don't put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, perform or do anything in particular. I don't have a discipline I have to do every single time. But I just create that space, that rhythm, that routine in the day that grounds me. I would invite you to consider what is a routine you could have every day to ground you in the presence of Jesus a place where you can marinate in the peace of God and leave the anxiety of everyday life, Because that is where God will guard your heart. Lastly, I would suggest that with some of us, I think it might be good for us all to adopt some ancient prayer practices. The truth is Christians have endured incredibly difficult seasons, plagues, wars, pandemics, Everyday struggles from cancer to sickness to unforeseeable tragedies. And through them all, people have prayed. Through all of those times, people have prayed a few prayers. One in particular, the Lord's Prayer. I think this is a season where we can adopt a practice of the church from the very earliest days that has literally been prayed in every imaginable scenario and just pray that prayer every day as a body. I know I'm going to. I am going to pray that prayer every day, a prayer that has been prayed in every scenario, and certainly a prayer that makes sense in our time. I'll also probably most days be praying through the Book of Common Prayer. This is a book of prayers that have been passed down over the last few hundred years, prayers that have been prayed by God's people in every imaginal scenario. I like a book, it's called the Book of of Prayer for Ordinary Radicals. You can find any book, but what it does is it provides some basic structure again. It gives me a little routine. So when I don't know what to pray or read in the Bible, I just flip it open and I just go. And I trust that God will guide me through that process. Friends, God is going to be with us in this season. And he invites us because he cares for us to cast our anxieties and our cares onto him. He wants to take responsibility for them so that we can enjoy His peace and His presence. I just want to invite you to pray with me at this time. Lord Jesus, we trust You. You are a good Father. We come before You knowing that You know us And you love us and you want us to experience your perfect peace. You do not want us to just be running at a breakneck anxiety pace. You want us to slow down with you, God. So help us to trust you. And God, we know that as we slow down and trust you, you will guard us, you will keep us, you will watch over us. God, you are good, you are beautiful. Speak to us. Speak to us that we might know your face, that we might see your face and know your beauty. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want you guys, as you're in your homes, usually we do like a little blessing or benediction. I just invite you in the place of your homes, just to put your feet on the ground and open up your hands as I pray this blessing over you. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever He may send you. May He guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May He bring you home rejoicing at the wonders He has shown you. May He bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.